All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Extraordinary Family Life podcast. We are going to do this episode we hinted at and have been hesitant about, but actually... Or, as I was saying, we're going to do an episode we probably shouldn't be doing. (laughs) She's like, you're not going to do that, are you? I'm like, yeah. But we are going to do it. We're going to do it. And I I just want to say probably the biggest reason we are going to do it, well, the biggest reason we shouldn't do it is because we generally try to stay out of politics. Like, we're, we're apolitical, is what we call ourselves. And we've been that way for a long time, uh, like many years, when we traveled the world and when we created the life of our dreams, which we have done. I mean, it's all been, of course, we have political viewpoints, but we don't consider ourselves Some, political people. Sometimes we just decide not to have political viewpoints because it's something that's been politicized. Yes. And we're like, let's just look at the principle. Let's look at the practice. Well, and that's what we're going to talk about. Yeah. Like, I want to get that point, but I'm saying, like, we don't usually make podcasts, videos, or talk about political topics because we like to stay outside of that. Right. 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 So this isn't something we would normally do, talk about a topic that's become politicized. I want to emphasize that because this isn't a political topic. It's just become politicized. Right. They've used it that way. Right. And so we want to make that clarifying point because I think that's a very key point to understanding this is that it is something that's not normally political, but it has become politicized. Big time. And and what's interesting, I guess the driving force for me is we have people, you know, sincerely reaching out and saying, hey, how, what's the best way to think about this? Like, how, how do I wrap my head around it? How do I see the big picture yeah. of this? Which we, man, we love to do that. Of like, okay, let's back way out and not see this for what it is in this moment, in this space. Let's let's go out across time and, and place and see a bigger picture because it helps us think more clearly about it. So this is my driving force. So I'm like, I'm like, okay, well, what have what are the things that have led to help me think differently about this issue and all kinds of issues? Yeah, exactly. Uh, really, really about death and health in general and, and practices and, and where each of us stands, and it's gonna be different for everybody. But like, how is this different? How did how did I come to those conclusions? And as I've thought through it, I'm like, oh yeah, I want I want to share that process. Right. I want to share the journey. Well, because that is the process we have used throughout our life and throughout our marriage. Like we've used this pl- process of viewing the world not from a political lens, because we see that that becomes so myopic, but through a zoomed out lens yep. to look at it from multiple angles, like the rotisserie chicken, right? And to look at it across domains of knowledge. So we're looking at it from a philosophical, psychological, biological, religious, all these different perspectives to see, okay, if it fits across these things, then that's more likely that that's true. Instead of like, we're looking at it here myopically, and based on this information right here, this is true. And you're like, you can't do that. Right. that's just not how we've ever come to any conclusions in our life about anything we've done. Like, right. you just can't do that. And and interestingly, if you only look at that small pocket and you only talk to people with your same views, yeah. <laughs> you just you're on this little revolving door of of uh, confirmation, confirmation bias. bias. Yeah, exactly. Right. You're like, see, see, well, uh-huh. there it is again. See. Exactly. And that's why we <laughs> wanted to do this together because we have different views. And we think that that's a great thing. That's and Rachel loves correcting my confirmation bias. 
<laughs> and you love correcting my confirmation bias. But I think that that makes our overall viewpoints or our combined viewpoints healthier and yep. more balanced because we're not afraid to analyze yep. or criticize or be wrong. Or be like, wrong, right? So whenever you take a perspective, there, there's always going to be a limitation on uh, any perspective because that, that's exactly what it is. It's just a perspective. Yeah. And so there'll always be a limitation, and we are limited. It might be wrong, but well, like we want to share some ideas. There's always two sides to every story, and, and then, then there's the and truth. And then the truth. So <laughs> what you're getting today is two sides of a story, and, and somewhere in there, there's going to be some truth. Exactly. And, and so... Anyways, let's let's dive in. So, so again, the, we're, we're talking about the vaccine, but we're not talking about the vaccine. Right. And we're not talking about the vaccine in a way to try and convince you of one opinion or the other, or that one political viewpoint is right and the other is wrong. Now, you may come to some of those conclusions on your own. That's That's up to you and what your thought process is at the time. But our sincere belief is that we don't know all the information. I don't think anyone knows all the information. I don't. I think it will be ten or twenty years before we look back on time and say, "Oh, guess what? Look back in history and say this is what happened yep. during that time." And right now, we're in the middle of it, trying to figure it out. We can't know. And so, yes, we have some viewpoints that we've come to, and we're going to share some of the information we're looking at, asking questions about, considering, wondering, all of that stuff. But it's from this zoomed out viewpoint and lens of let's look across domains of knowledge and not just at the political um (laughs) well it's the political trend like what's hot right now what's being stirred up what's being really just kind of fed at us and, and they're trying to shock you and ah there's there's a lot of of tension and that man that's worth addressing maybe later, but they're they're putting a lot of tension, a lot of animosity. Almost sometimes, some people are just feeding this hatred, which we talked about last time. But like that, it's just it's feeding into the biggest problem. So let's let's back out, um, and I'll start with with my kind of little journey of, of where this started. This was uh, easily over a decade ago, and I was was reading a great book, right? And almost all of our <laughs> almost all of our journey starts with reading a great book. And I was reading from this book, and the author, just in passing to make a point, he said something about the amount of people killed during this, this period of war, the amount of people killed on the roadways in the United States from drunk drivers. And the number was significant. And I, he just said it in passing, and it's kind of a point, I was like, whoa, that's a lot. So I jumped on, and I'm like, well, what are the, how many people are dying now from drunk drivers, and what are the causes of death? And so again, 10, 12, 15 years ago, it pops up. Well, you honestly have been geeking out about the yeah. numbers. Of right. the, I mean, he's always telling us, and this has been happening for like 10 years. Did you know this many number of people die from blah, 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 whatever right. every year? Like, this has been going on for a while. For a year. And, and I kind of, it's weird. Like, and I tell people, I'm like, I'm, I'm geeking out about the causes and numbers of death. Like, how many people are dying? Because it's an indicator. Right? It's, it's always an indicator of like, whoa, this, it's a symptom of a bigger problem. Right. But here's, here's the, what I has, have seen as the problem is when this whole COVID thing started coming up and, and they were reporting numbers of deaths every day. And if people aren't aware of how many people are dying every day anyways, 
Which you were already Which I already was. I'm like, oh, yeah, man. There's a few thousand people die every single day in this country. In fact, I want to do the math right now Um, just (laughs) to geek out out a little bit bit here. Because this is what Greg does. um, Let's see if I can get enough zeros right here. That's it right there, right? And What's the number supposed to be? 3.6 million okay. people died in 2020. So that is... 900, almost 10,000 people a day. Holy cow, it's bigger than I thought. Mm-hmm. I knew it was a few thousand. So just shy of 10,000 people died every day in 2020. Not... Only because of COVID. only a percentage of that, a small percentage of that was COVID. Well, we we should get the numbers. We will, we will. I I got them all. I got all the exact numbers. I, I'm going to geek out here a little bit and share this, and and I hope you guys appreciate. The, even if you don't like the statistics or the numbers or whatever, like just see the magnitude of it. And so all along, I knew I'm like, okay, there's there's thousands of people dying from preventable diseases every day. And and I had some friends. I had a good friend in Costa Rica who was a cardiologist, and he was a world renowned cardiologist. He he traveled all over the earth presenting. And he, he would just get so fired up. And I met with him a lot and we talked about it. And he would get so fired up. He's like, so many people die in all of these, he, like the, the most developed countries. He was flying around Europe and, and Australia. Um, and this is, he's a friend from Costa Rica and Costa Rica in the U.S. And he's like, it's these developed countries where they're dying of preventable heart disease. In insane numbers. Well, right. He's like, we in, can stop this. We can do something about this. In developing countries, preventable causes are the leading Right, causes, causes of, of death. death. Right, exactly. Yeah. Preventable things, right? Preventable things. So I knew this from years back, and I'm like, yeah, there's thousands of people dying every single day. But if you don't know that, if you don't, and who does? Who goes around thinking, I wonder how many people died today? <laughs> besides Greg <Denny. laughs> Right, besides someone who came across it on accident, right? And I'm like, well, that's fascinating. It really just shocked me back then. I'm like, I didn't realize that many people well, die every day. So wait, hold on, though. Let's even clarify even further. Although I need, I'm asking a question because I don't know. Does that number of 10,000, almost 10,000 people per day include things like car accidents? Yep. Okay. Yep. These are just deaths in the United States. Now, in 2020, United States only. Yep, United people. States only. 2020, it was actually higher, and there was, there was a chunk because of COVID, mm-hmm. but we're talking about the other causes, and actually major rises in death in 2020. In other sources. In other areas. So it caused, may or may not have been as oh, a it was, of, right. It was totally related and not, not causation, but correlation. There's definitely correlation in a massive rise in deaths in other areas because of what was going on in 2020. So if, if you don't know that and you don't think about it, and then all you hear on the news is like this many people died, this many people died, this many people, you're sitting back going, people are dying. People are dying. We've got to do something about this. But never once, never once. Did I hear them say, well, actually, uh, today and every single day throughout 2020, more people died of preventable heart disease than from COVID. Let that sink in. Every single day, on average, if you average it out across here, every single day, more people died from preventable heart disease. And I'm going to give you the whole list and you'll be blown away than from COVID. Now, some of those people that died from preventable heart disease died with COVID. Exactly. Yep. So there's a part of that. But so only then, okay. But, but that's, that even makes the number even bigger then. No, this is like direct separation. If you just okay. separate it out. But yeah, you're right. That a lot of the people who died with because COVID. the ones who had, who were dying of preventable heart disease, but had COVID were marked as a COVID death. Sure. Or COVID sped up their 
their death, their death. right? Um, and again, as we talk about death, don't, I, I don't want you to think we're heartless and we just think, ah, you know, 10,000 people, what do you do? Like, we, we're, we're, we've lost family members. Rachel, Rachel and I watched her, her father pass away from cancer, colon cancer. We're going to talk about cancer. And my brother just died recently. So from? From drug overdose, which was also on the number. So Includes this 10,000. Yes. Part of the 10,000 a day in 2020 was a major increase in drug overdoses, right? Which I, I think we can all agree that there was at least some correlation to what was happening in 2020 that was leading to some of these other things. And you guys, today, I really, as much as I possibly can, I want to try to share things that I think wherever you are on the spectrum of, of politics or beliefs or whatever, I want to try to share as many things as possible that we can all just say, yep, we, we can all agree on for the most part. We can all agree on. Um, and, and so we're going to come across those and address some of those issues. But we just have to stop. And, and I don't really think we're heartless. Like we care. I know each death is, is significant. It really is. It's affecting. It's affecting. It, families and, and marriages and, and children and like, oh, it's, it's tough. But it's also a big picture perspective when you zoom out and you see it differently you realize, okay, 10,000 people die every single day in this country. That's, that's not insignificant. And it's not, it, what it brings back to is like, oh, okay, well, people are dying every day, all the time from all kinds of causes, many of which, most of which I would say are preventable. Things like smoking, things like... Well, we'll get, in, we'll get into that, right? We'll hit all so, the one of the things that we, we want to get into, but I'm, I guess I'm going to mention it right now, is that if any of these other causes of death, like even heart disease, was to be focused on in the media and social media, in conversations, you know, if it, if it was to become an area of focus like COVID has, then it would also become politicized like COVID has. So I guess that's kind of the framework we're wanting mm -hmm. to talk about here is like we all need to Back out for a minute and look at this from all angles and all sides. Use the rotisserie chicken here and think, okay, let's look at COVID. Not that it's not insignificant, but look at it from a context in compared to these other, other issues, other concerns, other causes of death. And also realize that if those other causes of death were reported every single day on the news in the government that they would also be as intensified as COVID is at the moment. I, I don't know that, like, there's an argument you can make against that right. point. Right. That, from any, everything I can look at, I don't think that we could disagree on that. What, what they've done is they've taken one issue... And put it right in front of our faces. Right. And really charged it with emotion and fear. Right. Now, obviously, and it is unique. It has some uniqueness. Yeah, so, so we could argue like, well, this is different than heart disease. Yeah, and you're right. Absolutely. You could. But, so I just did the math right now because in 2020, I remember the number because it stood out. 690,822 people died of preventable heart disease. Well, most of which was preventable. Not all of it. But we'll just say heart disease. So 690,822 people died 
of heart disease in 2022 or 20, 2020. And 2022, I just is this did, a prediction? I just did the math. It is 1,892 people every day. If, if oh, that... From preventable heart disease. Well, most of which is preventable, from, right? Heart from heart disease. disease. So if, if that was on the news every day, like, hey, 2,000 people, 2,000 more people died today from heart disease, we special report tonight of what's causing it and what you can do to prevent it. And if that were brought into front of attention, it would change things. Well, we In fact, have- more people, way more people. So let me give this context. I was going to do this later, but I'll hit it right now. So at 690,000, um, only as of today, at the time of this recording, total number of, of deaths attributed to COVID. And again, In the United States. And again, even, even sites that I disagree with are saying, hey... Not all of those can be fully blamed on COVID, right? There's there's a big difference between the underlying cause of death and a contributing Contributing cause of death, right? There's so we can't agree, but as of the time of this recording, it's six hundred and seventy six thousand people. So now wait, more people that six hundred and seventy six thousand people died of COVID of COVID as an underlying cause or a contributing no, cause or just both both okay everything and and I think most people are in agreement that some of those deaths were even like hey if they had COVID go ahead and put it on the death or the or the memes you see of like right. you died in a car accident yeah. but it was yes COVID, COVID. Okay. <laughs> right but and, and again we're not going extreme but I think we can all agree again that some of those um, and and again hospital administration will tell you like hey there was so much funding. That if, if COVID was even a slight factor... Where do you get that information? Well, okay. So we'll back verifiable. up. Yep, we'll back up. We'll back up and we'll leave that alone. But even at 676,000... Well, that's in 18 total, months, though. Well, almost. We're coming up almost on two years. So, yeah. Okay. 18 months is conservative in 18 months. But this is in a 12-month period. More people died of heart disease in a 12-month period than COVID in an 18-month period. So it's not... It's not just about pure numbers. Right. And we get into the other number. Man, I keep saying we get into it. Maybe let's just go. Well, right. We should. But because if we were focusing on the number of deaths happening from heart disease every day, then you would see people on social media saying, you people that eat at McDonald's are just the worst. Or what would happen is you'd start getting so polarized because of the current environment Man, you'd have hate crimes against people working at fast food restaurants <laughs> right. and saying, you are murderers. You people are murderers. And then they would be attacking the companies that make processed and packaged foods. Right. And, and, and the sugar sounds, industry. It, it's crazy, but look at what's happening. It funny or crazy that we would even be saying that. And yet, can any of us argue that if that was the focus in the media... Because they're saying these are verifiable deaths. People are dying from these things. Yep. And, and, and so they know we causes. have to do something. Well, right. They know the cause. We have to do something to put a stop to it. Now, of course, there's the argument that, well, heart disease isn't contagious, like a virus. So there's less fear there because right. people aren't afraid that you're going to pass them heart disease, per se. So there is a different element there. That's a perfect. Is, oh, good. That's a perfect lead into yeah. another perspective. So let's just zoom back out again. Another perspective that we love to get from studying history and and literally traveling all over the world, talking to people, learning about different events, and and again, the whole idea here is like let's zoom out, let's or go around the backside and get a totally different perspective. 
unfortunately, when it, early on when they came out like, okay, this could be a major serious epidemic. It scared a lot of people, including us. We, yeah, We're like, oh, absolutely. Man, if this is real deal, like we got to buckle down. In fact, we at first thought it was very, it was going to be very serious. It yep. was going to be very deadly. Yep. That was our initial take on the research we had done. And, and they were portraying it as such. And so we, you, you go we, back through history. We started self-quarantining yep. before quarantine was yep. required. We're like, we're going to take this serious. We've sat the kids because down. We didn't we're like, want Let's to be. put, we have, you know, fam- family that are in high risk groups mm-hmm. and we did not want to put them at risk. So right. we were doing this ahead of the curve yep. in a way. Because we, we thought that it would be big. Big as in... Here's a perfect example. In 1918, the H1N1 uh, flu, the influenza, spread across the world with rapid fire. They they estimate that 50 million people, no, sorry, 500 million people were infected and 50 million died. Okay. Let that sink in. 50, 50 million. million deaths in 1918. That's a 10% death rate. That's massive. And initially we were thinking that's what yeah. this could be. If this like. could be, or even you guys, I read um, these, these histories about, uh, well, lots of history. I read lots of histories. One of the recent ones that really kind of hit me hard was the settling of the Ohio River Valley when the, when the settlers came in and just moved east and went to the Ohio River Valley. The, the flu would come through there and it came through a few years in a row and each winter a large percentage of the people died well, right and it it was it was so much so that the rest of the settlers were at risk of death because like all the blacksmiths died right so it's like it's like us saying well you know we're concerned about hospitals being full and overcrowded which we could talk about that but but what would happen if all the doctors died if all the doctors died or if all you know all the guys who run the internet companies they all die like <laughs> Nobody like, knows right. anything How about. Do, what do you do? Coding? What do you do without internet? Nobody can fix the internet, or the, all the electricians, or all the plumbers. Like th- they all died. Like what would happen to our society if all the plumbers got this real? That, and that's what we're talking about with these huge numbers. Well, I at re- a ten percent death rate. Yeah. So well, let's let's compare it now to COVID. Yeah, I, I want to do that comparison. I just want to. This reminded me that when I read the book fourteen ninety one about. Yes, I the, actually put that okay. in my notes. Well, no, go go there. there. Go there. So there's this great book called 1491. Who is the author? I don't remember his name. I can't remember. Anyways, um, it's about what the world was like before Columbus discovered it, right? But she didn't actually discover it. But before, before things changed, Columbus was kind of a turning point. He did drastically change the world after his journeys and stuff. But um, anyways, one of the things that happened with him coming across to the, the Americas was the spreading of disease. They brought all these diseases, which they were immune to, in the old world, but they brought it to the new world, and that was one of the reason, one of the major contributing reasons for them to be able to colonize the new world was because so many of the indigenous people died off from diseases like, that were brought. Do you remember some estimates? I, it's I would so have to look high. It. It's been like 10 years since I read that Yeah, book, I don't... I don't I, it was so significantly... 
ridiculously like eighty percent or ninety percent. I remember. I, I don't know if I would say that. Okay, high, but it was. I but think it, it was, over was 50% high. For sure. So more than half of the population they were dying was from, like, wiped smallpox out. Smallpox and you know diseases we don't have now. Yep. But they had brought it from the old world right. and killed off populations, and that was what allowed more of the. It wasn't just the violence, you know, from them coming in right. and killing them off. They actually, a lot of them died from disease. Right. So anyways. So then, then we all have to stop and back up and say, wow, even if it were at 10%, which is, is crazy. And well, we can all agree that it's not anywhere near 10%. Well, I'll give you the exact numbers that, from right today that we just did the calculations on. But even if it was 10%, 90 out of 100 people would survive. That's, society goes on, yeah, there's, it's a tragedy. It is an absolute tragedy. We would all personally know people who mm-hmm. had passed away, and, and it, would, it would be significant, and there would be a massive, massive impact. Um, that, that would be turned into millions of people, uh, just the United States alone. And, and that would be huge. But still, if you back out and say, well, still 90, 90 out of 100 survived, that's, it's still good odds, right? But then the, the numbers as of today, with... Estimated infections, and again, not all not all the infections are reported, not all the positive tests, because not everybody goes and gets tested, and not everybody reports when they have it. And not everyone who gets tested is positive. Right. Now, we, we're saying this from our own personal experience, because we've had COVID twice, so we're pretty sure of. Yeah, so we can't say 100%, but boy, we had all the symptoms, including <laughs> loss of smell and taste. And, and the first <laughs> time we got it in February 2020, after traveling to Thailand and South Korea. We came back. The whole family got COVID. It wasn't fun. I'm not going to say, like, COVID's fun or not a big deal. Like, I don't want to get COVID. It's not a fun disease. It's, for us, it made us very lethargic, tired, all of that. Um, And then the second time we got it was just probably last month, right? The first time we went to get tested, and both of us tested negative, (laughs) even though we're like, if this isn't COVID, I don't know what it is because we've had a lot of, we've traveled a lot. So we've been, been exposed to a lot of different sicknesses and illnesses. The second time we didn't even go to get tested, although we knew it was COVID because we had like every single symptom, including loss of smell and taste. Yeah. So you're just, we're adding that as information because we, not no, every person. And our whole family got it and we didn't go, you know, our numbers don't show up. Right. We don't show up at all because our whole family of eight or nine, because our daughter had it the first time. Did not go to report that we actually had right. COVID. And I know, I know lots of people We're saying the things that this happening. So anyways, but take the numbers exactly as they are. And you do the Which calculation. Which does not include what we just talked right. about. Right. And you do, the, you do the calculation. At worst case scenarios, it is 1.5%. Well, let's, let's give the numbers. Exactly. Uh, because. Well, I got it right here. I thought it was interesting. It is 42.3 million confirmed cases in the U.S., and 676,000 deaths. And, you and if were you take saying... that number and divide it, it is um, 1.5%. Okay. And you were saying with the Spanish flu, it was 500 million cases? Yep. Is that right? Yep. Okay. And 50 million deaths. Was that worldwide? Or yeah, that was... worldwide. That was worldwide. That was okay. worldwide. We don't right? have the worldwide numbers right now. And so, uh, you know, the percentages... So at 42... Are, it's significant. At 42 million with 676,000 deaths, that's 1.5%. Yep. Death rate. Fatality, right? Death rate, right? Now, if you if you look at the numbers, and they, again, you can find this. That's from the CDC. 
Yeah, and you, you guys, you can go look on any website that you... Again, we're trying to share things I think we can all agree on. So some of you are like, well, I don't trust those websites. And some of you are like, well, I don't trust those websites. I think across the board, any website you go look at, you're going to find that the fatality rates um, above 49 years old go up a little bit, and then above 69 years old, they go up a lot. So the, the bulk of the deaths are above 69, really below 49 it is the, the the survival rate is so high. It's like ninety nine point eight or sometimes ninety nine point nine that it it's it's hardly even significant. So anyone who's in decent health and below sixty nine, especially below forty nine, has has such a low risk. It, it it almost doesn't show up on the charts. And and again, you can find those numbers on any website you trust. Well, and I think that kind of. We use the CDC because on both sides, people are at least gravitating to that as a source of They're trying to find some solid information. But you're right. There could be on the left or the right or whatever viewpoint you have, those numbers are going to be either more extreme or less extreme. But at least the CDC is kind of a middle point. <laughs> you know, some people might say, I don't believe the CDC at all, right? And okay, that's fair. But most people are at least going to use it as a reference point. Right. So uh, let's let's look at again. We're just trying to to get big, big perspective. Big perspective, and the goal is unpoliticized perspective. We're yes. trying to view it from a non-political viewpoint as much as possible. Just by backing out and saying, "Okay, what? How how does this fit into the bigger picture? How right. does it fit into?" Because again, it's not like we're saying COVID deaths don't matter. COVID isn't important, but we are trying to say, how does COVID fit into In the everything big picture. else that's going on? Yeah, and all the deaths that are happening all the time and the real big epidemics and pandemics that have happened in the past. And when you when you give it a different perspective, when you change your angle on anything, you can ask different questions. So it, it makes me ask, well, like, okay, these kind of numbers, uh, is, is a vaccine necessary, right? And you can answer that question. And then you're like, well, these numbers and percentages, is it mandatory for everybody? Do, do we need to vaccinate a certain percentage or, or all? Or is it, is it really the death sentence that people, some people still believe it is? And is well, it really as dangerous, right? It, uh, it's, it's Because we're trying to ask the question, is all the hype, excitement, fear, polarization around COVID, around the vaccine, is that due to the fact that it is as serious as we initially thought it was going to be? Or is it due to the fact that it has become politicized? Right. That's one of the points. Because if you can start to or, see... Okay. Go. Keep going. If you can start to see that something has become politicized, right? Because, again, there's a difference. Or even brought into the media is what I was going to say. They that just too. bring it into focus... And, and it makes which, it seem a lot bigger than it is. Almost by nature politicizes right. things because right. I think the, na- the, the nature of mainstream media is to politicize things. So is it that way because it's been politicized by the mainstream media, by government, or is it that way because it is that way? Does that make sense? Right, right. And so, again, backing out, changing the perspective gives you a different way to look at this. So the reality is, again, not, not our opinion here, the reality is... More people die every day from other preventable causes, and we're going to hit that right now, I think, 
than from COVID. And, and you're more likely to die. Again, just looking pure numbers, just pure statistics. You're more likely to die of these other causes than you are of COVID. So then that begs the question, ooh, shouldn't we as a nation be giving that more attention if we're really truly about saving lives? Maybe. I was going to say the irony as well is that for some of these leading causes of death, which you're going to go over, they're also leading contributing causes or leading contributors to death by COVID. Right? Say that again. <laughs> some of the leading causes of death, like heart disease. Ooh, okay, some of the other ones we're going to hit right now. Hit are also leading contributing factors to death by COVID. Yes. So there's but actually crossover there. Yes. What's really fascinating, and we can hit, we can hit that right now. Um, okay, let's let's do this real quick. Inside of COVID, what they're 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 finding there are factors that are making it uh, far Maybe more susceptible to it. Well, more susceptible. Yeah, that's that's the other stuff will hit. But when when you get it, make your your symptoms or your reactions to it far more severe or more likely to die. And they found out three really significant ones. This is again, this is on the CDC. CDC. You can go read it. They have found now this kind of watching it. They said there was three factors worth reporting that really increased the probability of severe symptoms or death. Number one, which won't surprise us, is obesity. So quite literally, your BMI, your body mass index, or what percentage of your body is fat, has, it, it plays a major role, a significant role at least, in the severity of your symptoms and possible death. That's a big one. Number two blew me away. It was anxiety or fear-related illnesses, meaning your, your fear around it, your, your thoughts about it, played a significant role in your symptoms and possible death. Which I think is extremely significant, especially considering the amount of fear that is happening has been in the hyped. world right now yeah. around COVID. Yes. Like, like that to me is just one of the greatest ironies ever that more anxiety and fear actually leads to a greater chance of you dying from COVID and what's happening? Lots of anxiety and fear. Yep. So they're scaring the tar out of you, making you believe it's a death sentence. And then when you get it, boy, whoo. And, and it, this isn't, again, this isn't foo-foo la-la. This isn't out there kind of our little opinions or ideas. This is around the CDC saying the second major cause of, of making it, what's the word? The contributing the to contributing COVID factor death. making it worse, COVID death and severe symptoms, is fear. And anxiety. Woo! Which, this is just a personal antidote, so it's a side note, and take it or leave it for whatever it means. I noticed for myself when I had COVID, especially this last time, which may or may not have been the Delta variant because there's conflicting information on if you can actually test if someone has the Delta variant or not. But I noticed a lot of anxiety and fear was part of my... It seemed like increased doom and gloom I was feeling. Well, so, which was Which is true across the board when your body's not functioning well mm-hmm. and you're not eating and you're tired and you just have decreased 
body function and decrease cognitive function yes the brain starts it gets dark it mm-hmm. just it just does that's and there's tons of research on that dr amen has tons of research on that i want to jump back and just touch a couple things in my notes here about obesity it triples the risk of hospitalization it uh, is increased risk particularly for those under 65 so age is a factor right and, and we talked about that above 69 is, a, is is the biggest risk factor but below 65 they said the greatest risk factor is obesity which is really significant because it gives you impaired immune function and decreased lung capacity because so now, of obesity yeah because of obesity now back to under age, the age of 65 yeah yeah so that's a that's a big factor that's a big factor. So anxiety and fear, oh, including in children. I read some things about that as well, that children um, that are struggling with it are often obese. Because Wait, struggling with what? COVID. Okay. Because in the United States, um, it, I, I watched this too because I worked with youth for a couple of decades, you guys, and so I watched this trend, and it is 70% of adults um, were obese or overweight in the United States, and youth were quite a bit lower, but the youth have now caught up. So children and youth are same same ratios. About 70% of children and youth in the United States are obese or overweight. Which is unique to Western cultures Absolutely. in general. Because we've traveled a lot around the world. We've been on five continents. And obesity seems to be a problem that's afflicting mostly Western developed countries. Like yep. the United States, England, Australia, yep. and for we'll, the most part. And we'll talk about why here in a second too. Okay, so I just want to clarify on this because I was a little confused. You're saying that obesity... Triples your risk of hospitalization and increases the risk for COVID in those under the age of 65. Are you talking about just in general the risk or the risk for COVID? the risk for severe symptoms and death. Death under the age of 65. So so these three things that we're talking about, um, the obesity, anxiety, and the third one is diabetes with complications. Those three risk factors they have found in in their research are like those are the the three biggest ones that are making it way worse. You're far more likely to be hospitalized and have worse symptoms and to die. So in general, COVID affects those all over the age of 69 worse, quote, quote unquote, worse. But if you're under the age of 65 and you have these three risk factors, you've doubled or tripled your your risk risk. And, and symptoms and possible death, right? So then on this anxiety thing, I want to lean into this because I love this stuff. You love anxiety? I love, no. (laughs) That's weird. Okay, thank you for clarification because I would have said I love this and you're guys, he's psychotic. He loves anxiety. I love studying psychology and I love the power of thought. And and I'm going to say something a little bit bold here, but I want you to, to roll with me on it. Your thoughts can kill you. Whoa. This is showing up in COVID, right? Because they're saying the second risk factor for severe symptoms and death is your thinking, right? Anxiety. Is anxiety. Well, and they said anxiety and other fear-related, fear-related. issues, right? So I was just reading fear from... Fear-related illnesses, the book. which is interesting because I think what is another fear-related illness? Fear. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, 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 that's just another question. Right. What, how, what, how does the CDC right. define another fear-related, fear-related illness. illness? I don't know. I don't know. But just, it's interesting. It's, it's, it's a lot about how you're thinking and feeling about what's going on. So I was just reading from the Book of Joy by the Dalai Lama and Desmond Tutu. And um, I even remembered the page number because it stood out so much. That there was these two researchers, two women, as I recall, and they 
one of them uh, got a Nobel Prize because of her research. They were studying how stress, and when you're stressed or afraid, or anger plays into this as well, that it releases cortisol into your body. Now, you guys, originally, like in our evolutionary process, right, it was the stress and, and fight or flight cortisol was, was it? it was a momentary thing to save your life. Right? It was it was in an instance where you genuinely are threatened and you're like you're boom, it kicks in and you get out of there. Bit by a snake or attacked right. by a you gotta move. Saber tooth tiger. Now where there there aren't, you know, saber tooth tigers. You can things. get cortisol from a comment on Facebook. Right. And then we hold on to it. And I keep playing it again and again, and I get angry, and I get I get stressed. I get stressed out because my, my shoes uh, don't match my outfit or whatever, <laughs> right? But you see people get stressed. I work with people. And I, I see this all the time. You see people get stressed about things that, with a different perspective, you're like, kill you. that's, not, that's not stressful. And, right. right. Whether, whatever take you have on right, that, right. they're not going to kill you. Right. But the cortisol that's being released in your body is actually contributing to aging. Oh, that's right. Yes, so that's what I'm going right now. So, and it is, it's a thought, right? So it's really down to the thoughts that create the feelings. And when those thoughts release chemicals in our body, it changes our biochemistry. And this was by um, Alyssa Eppel and Elizabeth Blackburn. And it says that it wears down our telomeres. Now, telomeres are a fascinating little, little word. Basically, they're the cap on our DNA that protect our cells. This is significant. They protect our cells from illness and aging, right? And illness and aging ultimately lead to death. So, the, again, these are, these are important. These telomeres protect our little DNA cells from illness and aging. But they realize, and I'm quoting here, it's not just stress, but our thought patterns in general that impact our telomeres, which these two concluded, and I quote, our cells are actually listening to our thoughts. Whoa. Whoa, right? And, and there's so many instances of this, so much research out there abounds, that the way we are thinking and feeling is creating a chemical change in our bodies, which is affecting our immune system. By so, affecting our telomeres. Yeah. So it makes perfect sense that having high stress thinking and feeling, and they found research found that anger, getting angry, can suppress your immune system from anywhere to 40 minutes up to two hours, depending on the research, right? So even getting angry or being stressed or being afraid can suppress your immune system. Which is ironically now becoming the second contributing cause of death. Yeah. Like COVID is anxiety and fear-related yeah. illnesses. Yeah, and and not ne- not necessarily just death, but it makes it's or it's a higher risk higher factor. Risk of, yeah, exactly. Isn't that fascinating? Oh, yeah. this is fascinating stuff. So you can literally wreck your own immune system with your own thoughts. Yowzers! And then the third risk factor was diabetes. Okay, so now I want to I want to jump in. We've been which. We've been promising this whole time to give you the list of deaths, and now I want to get into. Did you want to add something else? No, I. I mean, we could go on about diabetes itself, and right, but we won't. Yeah, much of it is preventable, right? Especially type two. Okay, here we go. So I'm going to give you these are these are just general average year over year. They've been studying this for decades. Um, So 
on on average, just under three million people die of all causes every single year in the United States. Uh, it jumped in 2020 to about 3.4, if I remember right, um, and there were pretty significant increase. For for example, um, like I said earlier, the heart uh, heart disease deaths jumped by almost five percent. They said that is the biggest jump in eight years. Right, it's a significant so jump during 2020, 2020. Heart disease deaths went up a lot. Jumped by five percent, yep. and that's not heart disease deaths with COVID. Right, no, just heart just disease. Heart right. disease. Yeah, deaths. and obviously it's going to play a part in if you get COVID well, it was and a how it affects you. Year. Like yep. that would make sense. That well, but we're closed in. We're eating differently. I mean, there's so many factors. Yeah. Uh, diabetes went up significantly. Um, Death so, by diabetes in 2020. Like yes, went up significantly. Um, um, accidental deaths, um, which, uh, well, unintended deaths, I think is what they call it. It's, it's actually on the list here. And that's significantly, a lot of those were drug overdoses, right? So they're, they're playing this role. There was, there was a lot of increases in deaths in general in 2020, not all related to getting directly, or having COVID, yeah, directly right? to getting or having COVID. Okay, so here we go. Heart disease, number one killer, has been for years and years and years, and still is, uh, was last year and still is this year, by b- big time, big time this year. So the average number is, you know, in the 600, and if you average it out, 635,000 a year, which last year was 690,000, okay? Um, it's most common or more common in men, People and I want you to listen to this. I'm gonna. I'm sharing yeah, commonalities. Why are, we, why are we sharing this yeah. information? Because this this is gonna be significant. And this is what really stood out to me when I'm like backing way out and seeing the big picture. And this is our message, you guys. Today, there are all kinds of things killing us that we need to remove. And in well, fact, wait, I want that you. That sounds totalitarian. There, like you want to just not force, remove. Not force. You want to force people to remove well, these things we need, from their life. Let's have that conversation when we get through here. <laughs> is 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 there ever a justification to force it? And but I want you what I want you to listen to is the commonalities. This is gonna okay. it'll blow your mind here. In fact, I'm gonna get some notes. I'm gonna jot down some numbers as we go along because the numbers are gonna add up. It's gonna be fascinating to do this. So, but you've got to just listen to the commonalities and see if you notice a pattern. And if you don't notice it, I'm going to point it out because <laughs> it's significant. And this, I think about it, I'm like, wait a minute. This totally alters the perspective here. So let's roll along. So we're at 635K or more, more last year, but on average for heart disease. So it's common among people who smoke, people who are overweight or obese, People who have a family history of heart disease or heart attack and people over 55, okay? Interesting correlation there. Um, Rachel and I love to talk about and geek out about this, this tendency of you have family history of these things. And there's several of them in here where it mentions that. Family history is very often connected to epigenetics. Well, right. So there's a more, I want to say a newer, more recent branch of science, which focuses on epigenetics genetics is this idea of like oh you have a family history of heart disease so you're likely going to get heart disease epigenetics is actually looking at and again i'm I'm not like a scientist i don't know all of this exactly but it's looking at the causing the causes of actually turning on those genes which then give you that disease which you have a family history for if that makes sense so so what happens on a cellular level is every cell 
if you th and this makes sense if you think about it. Like in the womb, a baby starts out as like a single cell organism and it divides and divides and divides. And eventually those single cells become every part of a human being. They become ears and eyes and toes and teeth and everything else. Yep. And how that happens is epigenetics, essentially, where they receive a signal that says, here's a signal, you're supposed to become teeth. Here's another signal, you become the toes, right? And that still happens in our bodies on an ongoing basis. And so the signals I'm giving my body through food, through my environment, through toxins, through thoughts, are turning on epigenetics, which then say, you get cancer, or you get heart disease, or you... and But the amazing thing they're realizing is that we have control over that. Like, we... We have more control than we thought over that. Way more control than we thought. And we can alter them in our own body. And then here's where it gets crazy fascinating. You pass that on to your children. Right. To your offspring. So you pass for it good on. Or bad. What? What would you say? I said for good or bad. Yeah, good or bad. So whatever it is, you can alter it. You alter it in your own body and then you pass it on. So you, if, if, I'm in a, if I'm in a poor state, I'm eating poorly, I, I, I'm in a poor psychological state, so it's altering my biochemistry, and I've got all kinds of cortisol receptors on my cells, and things are off in my life, it's really stressful, or maybe I'm crazy afraid, or I'm just, just tormented by fear of financial disaster or whatever it is, that can be passed on to your children. And that sounds kind of weird and crazy, but that's what but the science is showing. It's all there us. now. It's so fascinating. Yeah, but we're passing on these epigenetic messages, and because of the past epigenetic messages we've received or continue to receive from our thoughts, from our thinking, from our the media, from whatever else, we're conditioning and training our body to need more of those yep. things, like cortisol yep. or which it then creates an or, actual addiction. And so it's affecting this. So, we can geek out. Yeah, we this, could we could go crazy on this, but this this idea of having a family history, like it's playing out, and they're seeing it played out. Even that right. thing so you told me about family history of heart disease is dealing directly with epigenetics. But you're not necessarily going to get heart disease if you have a family right. history of it. Because if you, you can alter it. alter yes the epigenetic messages that are being sent to yourself. Absolutely. Whoa, that was. <laughs> You just went out there. That was awesome. Okay, okay. tips per, for prevention. Stop smoking. Eat a healthier diet. Exercise at least 30 minutes per day, five days a week, and maintain a healthy weight. Okay, so wait a second. That's... If, if we wanted to get into that conversation, which you were hinting at for a second, if we wanted to say the leading cause of death in the United States right now is heart disease and the one of the leading contributing factors to heart disease is smoking. Don't you think we would have a case for, for mandating no smoking in the United States of America? Well, we're just getting on the first one. I know, but I'm just... <laughs> okay, like, I'm just, just go with one. Couldn't no, no. you say that? Yeah, so, so yeah, wouldn't... Oh, could we going with one. Couldn't we... Okay, more people die every day, by far, from heart disease than from, from COVID and from any other cause. And if the contributing factors are clearly smoking and obesity, well, sh shouldn't we declare a national emergency? 
I, I'm, I'm, right. I'm, we're trying I'm to toying this here to put it in perspective. Like, wait a minute. From every if it's aspect. about numbers, if we're really caring about like the biggest numbers, the biggest threat to lives, shouldn't we do something serious about this? Shouldn't we declare a national emergency against tobacco and against obesity? Well, and no, we know the no. causes of obesity. No, Greg, because smoking's not contagious and heart disease is not contagious. Okay, valid point. It's not contagious. And people aren't deathly afraid of it. And you don't... Of things maybe, that aren't... See, this is the you irony, don't, though. don't die as quickly. This is the irony, though, because I... The more you study about things like epigenetics, the immune system, you see things like what Wim Hof is doing. And right. if you don't know Wim Hof, like, look it up. Look up the research that is being done on this human being. You you begin to understand that you actually have more control over the strength of your immune system, which ultimately decides whether or not you are contracted disease. Because the world is still... Wait, did you just say... Okay, go ahead. Yeah, well, the world is filled with bacteria and viruses. They are literally all over the place. You can't escape from them. In fact, if your body was free of virus and bacteria, you would die. You have to have good and bad bacteria in your body to even live and function as a human being. So we can't eliminate all of that. And it's actually the strength of our immune system that determines whether or not we actually get sick. Now, there is so much research on this that if you know the research, I don't think it can be argued. Like I don't Again, coming back to this idea of like, hey, I think we can all agree on this. Your immune system... Yeah. Is your safety. Right. Is ultimately the the determining factor on whether or not you actually contract an illness passed by a contagious virus yes. or bacteria. Wow. Now, obviously, you guys, we understand. I can hear some of you right now in your minds going, hey, but some of us have, you know, my failures have autoimmune right. and exactly. other things. I get and we, it. I, we get that. But that's more the exception than the rule. Your safety for the most part, and again, there's all this talk out there about safety. This is for safety. Your safety relies in your own hands. In your own Which, immune system. That idea right there has been the foundation of our life. Like right. we build everything in our life about. Exactly. We never look around and say, hey, you know what? It's your fault. Like we're always taking 100% individual responsibility for our own lives. And yep. that includes our health. Exactly. Because we know ultimately it comes back to our immune system. And, and so for me, I can't speak for anyone else. But I can speak for me and for my family. We are not at risk at all of dying from COVID. I don't need anyone at all to step in for me to protect me from it because my safety is in my immune system and it's in my hands now again this might for some people based on where they are in this you know understanding of health and different topics like that this might seem extreme but we can only make these statements now because we've literally been studying and researching this these for ideas decades. for at least 15 years possibly well, 20 Easy 20 because Rachel's dad got yeah, ill the right. day That's after our very first date and he got colon well, cancer. Well, no, no. He had already been ill. Okay. He got diagnosed with... Like that week. Cancer. Yeah, within the week of our very first date. Yeah. He was given three to six months to live. He actually lived two years. And his oncologist said, hey, this is because you have diverticulitis and then colon cancer because of the way you've eaten, because of your lifestyle. Yes. So that put us on a path from the beginning of our marriage to dig in very heavily to researching yep. health, well-being, 
immune system, um, immune systems, yeah. like cancer, all of this stuff. Like yep. that's been a part of our journey and path because of that. Right. So you're right. So right. we've been researching it for at least 20 years. And I started when I was 16 going hard. So yeah. by the time I met Rachel, I'd already cut out all kinds of junk and, and junk food and and all that stuff. So I was, that's the I was only reason in. I feel comfortable making that statement now, despite the politicization, how do you say that? <laughs> the politicizing of COVID itself as a topic, I still feel comfortable making that statement because we have been researching that, right. experiencing it, and living it for so long. Right. Okay, let's keep going. So number two cause of death is cancer. And just shy of 600,000. Just barely shy of 600,000. So cancer. Um, it is more common in people of a certain age. Uh, people who, here it is again, who use tobacco and alcohol. Okay, again, we're looking for common denominators. Though. We're looking for patterns. Common, common denominators of Major causes, causes of, of death, death in the United States. That are preventable. Right? Mostly. So uh, exposure to radiation, sunlight. Why are we doing this? Because I feel like there's something we can do about it, something we should do about it, and it changes. If we pull back and look at all the major causes of death and look at the actual numbers and say, wait a minute, if there's There's something we can or should do, why aren't aren't we looking at other things? Why aren't we emphasizing those things that are actually taking more lives every year? Why aren't those getting as much or more attention since more are dying? Or at least equal attention. Yeah, I think at that's least a equal, fair point. Right? Equal More of dying, attention. but it gets equal attention. I mean, okay, <laughs> right? It's a fair point. But you see what I'm saying? Like, there's something to this. So let's keep going. So radiation and lots of sunlight. Um, chronic inflammation. Oh, Ooh, man. Interesting. Do we can go into that. make me go off on that one. Don't make us go off on inflammation. <laughs> uh, <laughs> one of the major sources of information, inflammation, you guys, is sugar. Refined sugar is a major inflammatory. So chronic inflammation. And cells do not do well in inflammation. Like I said, don't even get us started. Don't get me started. <laughs> okay, here it is. People who are obese and people who have a family history of this disease. Which deals with the so epigenetics. So are you seeing the patterns? So just with those two. You guys, that's top the top two, two. That's almost, I mean, they're saying. It's, it's, it's 1.235 million people per year. Almost half of the deaths every year. In the United States, so 23% on heart disease and 21% on cancer. I mean, not quite half, but close to half of the deaths in the United States have the commonalities of smoking, obesity, family history, <coughs> which relates to epigenetics, and... Um, alcohol. Alcohol. And inflammation. Ooh, and inflammation. <laughs> okay. Wow. Now... Well, and sugar is a contributing factor for heart disease and cancer, interestingly, right? In fact, you can do your own research, or I pulled up a, <laughs> I pulled up a page here of the, the things they know, like this long list of things, like they know these things are contributing to cancer. They know it. And they well, still we are gonna Well, we are going to talk about that. <laughs> I guess what, I, what I'm trying to ask is, as a non-geeky numbers person, can we summarize this, or do we have to actually go Not yet. through every one no, of them? No, let's keep going. Okay. Well, I'll go fast. I'll go faster. Okay. So, again, prevention, maintain a healthy weight. There it is again. Eat a balanced diet. Exercise Quit regularly. Quit smoking. Drink in moderation or not at all. Um, Dr. Amen says even, even a little drink of alcohol each day. So, in, in moderation, he says, creates divots in your cortex, in your brain. 
and it, it limits cognitive function. Um, regular screenings, all kinds of things like that. Okay, next, unintentional injuries. We talked about that. Um, it's usually in men, people ages 1 to 44, so it's lower risky jobs. Um, but this one, the, the only Which one include, I want to... This includes motor vehicle deaths. Yep. Un, unintentional injuries. But it also injuries. includes, in, in another thing I was reading on CDC, I believe, it was saying that there was a big increase of um, overdoses. So I, I want to know, does something like unintentional injuries include things like medical malpractice? Where No, because... Was, what, wait, 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 hold on. <sighs> I Maybe this is not related at all, but it's an interesting statistic. Because I remember reading, reading one time that it was actually medical... Is malpractice the right word? Medical, medical mistakes. mistakes. That was actually the... Third. Oh, it's third. Yep. The third leading cause of death. Yep. At 200... Which would make sense. This, this it, goes yeah. under accidents and unintentional It came out... Med- medical uh, mistakes so, came in at like 250,000 a year. So it's not even on this, on this whoa. list. Whoa. Yeah. Which included like the wrong prescription yep. amount for drugs yep. or um, unintentional mistake during yep. surgery yep. or giving the wrong... Wrong diagnosis. Di- wrong diagnosis. Wrong, yeah, wrong treatment. Okay. Yep. So that's a whole nother Massive. thing. Massive. So interesting that's not being brought up or addressed or yeah that's a lot of people okay next okay, one so sorry just for those who might be getting bored with the numbers i'm gonna go can you remind fast. why are we doing this again remind us well i'm gonna let me let me get the, the number here so <laughs> chronic lower respiratory number. diseases is one hundred and fifty-five thousand. okay so you're not including now, the accidental deaths in this no i'm not trying to look at i'm looking at preventable things i'm deaths. looking at i want to look at total deaths that are pretty preventable right okay, again so smoking women age over 65 history smoking history of asthma Lower income households. Now right. that's fascinating. So they're breathing poor air. Mold, mold, yeah. Moldy, likely, yucky which air. Which is very toxic. Okay. All right, go down. Now this one is where stroke. I wanted to hit. Stroke. You're like, oh man. Okay, stroke. Stroke just happens. 142, making the numbers This here. was actually shocking to me that stroke is higher, more common among men and women using birth control. I, okay. I Interesting. No wow, that's second like on this. As a woman, I never even knew that that was a thing, that using birth control couldn't increase your risk of stroke. Like, no one tells me that. You're right. People with diabetes, right? Now, if it's type 2, there's something you do about it. People with high blood pressure, there's something you do about that. People with heart disease, there's something you do about it. People who smoke. Oh, wow. Do you notice that list? We're already down to number 5, 142,000. The leading causes of death. and, And most of that is preventable. So what does it say? Maintain a healthy weight. Exercise more. Eat healthier. Manage your blood pressure. Stop smoking. Drink in moderation. Manage your blood sugar levels. Back back to sugar there. And uh, treat underlying heart defects or diseases. Right? And then then it gets into Alzheimer's, um, diabetes, right? And type 2 diabetes is different. And then we'll go to well, let's just stop right there. So I'm gonna I'm gonna just pull this number just so none of you get too bored with us <laughs> geeking out here. Uh, I'm doing some math now. And, um, wow, wait a minute, hold on. Yeah, 1.532, million people die every year. Okay, those are staggering numbers. 1.5 million people die every year. Many, we, I wouldn't dare say all, many if not most, are preventable. 
Well. And, and there's common denominators. You heard them. Well, common denominators for contributing risk factors and common denominators for how tips for prevention. Yeah, exactly. Smoking, losing weight, eating healthier. Wait, you just put smoking on the prevention. I'm sorry. <laughs> I got smoking, losing weight, drinking <laughs> some smoke. more, exercising only a yeah, little bit. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, though. Which That's what I wanted to point which, out here. though, fascinatingly enough, is also directly related to contributing risk factors for COVID. Yes. Ooh, including, here I found this on the CDC. It was fascinating. The the vaccine. Wait, now you're kind of jumping to oh, I know. I just so. want to jump to stroke real quick because I thought about it. I don't want to forget it. It said, it, oh, here, I want, to, I want to read website. it because it was so interesting the way they worded it. That, you have to scroll down. It's you right scroll right down right here. Yeah. However... And I'm quoting directly from CDC. However, reports indicate a plausible causal relationship between the vaccine. Well, it is specifically the J&J. J&J vaccine. And what's TTS? I'm I don't know. Sure and a rare and serious adverse event, blood clots with low platelets, which has caused deaths. So it, it, that's a really indirect way of saying... This vaccine causes blood clots. Has which, caused which, blood clots. Yeah, has caused blood clots, caused which blood. has caused deaths. So it's like this indirect way of saying it's not responsible for deaths. It's responsible for blood clots. And the blood clots are responsible for the deaths. <laughs> <laughs> right? That reminds me of a funny story when I was a kid. <laughs> my dog went out and attacked a rabbit. And it died the next day. And my grandpa said, oh, yeah, that dog killed your rabbit. And my mom was like, no, the dog didn't kill the rabbit. It died the next day. <laughs> Just, just chewing on it, right? It wasn't the dog. <laughs> okay, so there, why, why are we even talking about this? Why are we bringing this up? And I, those of you who are healthy and fit and in here and like all this and just considering this, I just want you to wrap your heads around all of this. Zoom way out with us. See the big picture. Like, what Try is this all about? see it from a non-political perspective. Yes, take a different angle and a different approach and really start asking yourself, like, wait a minute. So if... if uh, if it was less than 400,000 people died in the United States from COVID. And yet... Last year? Yep, in 2020. But and within, this is... The whole time it's been... Six, 676, right? In my own mind. So if you, if you just look purely at numbers, and I get it, I, 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 I can see the it's other sides like of the not argument. Nothing, no, it's, it's not nothing. No, it's something. It's a lot. It's a lot. And we ought to do something about it if we can. So well, we're not discounting we, it. We can. We I definitely think, can. I think we can. The question, the biggest problem is people can't agree on what we should do. Right. And I think discussing this and zooming way out will actually help us make better decisions about what to well, do. that always helps you make better right. decisions. Like, I, I don't know of a time when that doesn't help you make better decisions by zooming out and looking at it from a broader perspective. Just, it's interesting to me that during the same time period, 2020, 1.5 million people died in this country. So over three times the amount died. What are we doing about that? Where's that attention? Right. And, and, and that's a much bigger process. If, if over three times many people were dying and we're really concerned about that and it's it's a real threat to our nation should we start mandating exercise should we start should we start man, you know making it illegal to be over a certain bmi 
should we should we make it illegal to to, to smoke or, or or use tobacco? Right. Now, and we're going to be clear here, we're not saying we should do that. We I'm are just not asking I, those I know, questions. I know, I know. I, I, I want to just... You have every right to be fat and to smoke and... And eat at McDonald's if you want yes, to. Yes, and like, to die a slow, painful death. You have you every right to. to do that. Well, I also find it fascinating that there's those 1.5 million people that died, not because of COVID, but by conditions that also contribute to a higher risk of death by COVID. Yes. So... So to me, so actually I addressing those issues would would, would address all of the lower, issues. yeah, COVID dramatically. So to me, when it comes to something like the vaccine, which is supposedly what this podcast is talking about, but we haven't actually talked about that yet <laughs> because we're giving the back story, which is critically important. The vaccine may or may not be one of the solutions to combating COVID, but more importantly. Why aren't we looking at these other factors right. that are contributing to, contributing to the deaths by COVID, but are also contributing to 1.5 million other deaths in the United States? Yeah. So if, if the greatest risk factor for COVID is obesity, well, guess what? It's also the greatest risk factor for heart disease and strokes. And I mean, there were several other instances there where, and cancer. What was the, oh, cancer. Like yeah. th- those are the biggest problems. So wait a minute, we found a common denominator that if we address that thoroughly, and what if that was on the news every single day? What if that was getting the same amount of attention in the media from the government, from leaders, from all kinds of people, what religious leaders, political leaders, organizational leaders, business like businesses now, everyone over a hundred employees has to mandate certain things. What if they what if, mandated a certain weight fitness? Yeah, what if they mandated like or a certain diet? Like you you're you you've got to be at a certain BMI. To work here. And again, we're not Woo. we're not saying that's a good solution because no. it's not a good solution. Anytime you start mandating things or infor- forcing things to happen, that is, from our study of history, like we discussed in the last, po- last podcast, that is on the path towards authoritarianism and totalitarianism, which rarely, if never, it doesn't turn out good. have a good outcome yeah. in the end. I talked to my buddy the other day. He's a total history buff. And I, and we were, he's like, oh yeah, I, I've read the instances like that. That's never pretty. Right. It never turns out good. Right. right? It it's a disaster. All right. So then with that background. This is getting long now. Like, yeah. Let's just hit it quickly. With that background, I, I want to address this idea and just give it, this is, again, this is our perspective on well, I, considerations. I, I could say right now with that information as a framework think if someone seriously thought through all of those issues we just mentioned and and differing perspectives that could be a lot of information to help you rethink what you already think about yes, certain things absolutely. that that by itself could be and enough. again you may come to the same conclusions that you have whatever your political philosophical religious conclusions are right about the politicized issues at this time you might come to the same conclusions, but I think those conclusions are going to be more well-rounded and more balanced if you at least consider all of these other perspectives. Yep. That's kind of the point. Absolutely. And maybe if you ended and didn't listen to anything else now, that, that would be, be worth enough. It. Right. Right. But 
But Greg wants. <laughs> I want to share a few things. Okay. Just again, people ask like, well, how do you think about how do you think about the vaccine? And so with that's how the do you background. Think about the yeah. How do you? How, yeah. How do you think about it? Okay. How do you? How do you? Yeah. How do you Maybe think about it? What's the process? Because instead of saying, what, what do you, you think, think about, about the vaccine? Say, how do you think how? about it? How? Because yeah. we're trying to learn how to think, not what to think. Right. So that's a good So example. we've given you this huge, long background about how to think about it <laughs> and other things. <laughs> well, but I want to address... Key. That's We don't come to any conclusions unless we, we think about all of the contributing Factors. conclusions. Yes, there's exactly. multiple levels of thinking. Like yep. there's first level thinking, second level thinking. Like all of these different levels of thinking have to go into coming to any sort of hard and fast conclusion. Absolutely. If there is a hard and fast Exactly. And then that you may not even get to hard and, and I fast. Would, yeah. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't even say we, at least me, you might be different. I don't know that I have a hard and fast conclusion about the vaccine itself. I think it's a very complicated topic Involving many and so complicated many, individuals. And so many variables. And so many I'm with variables. You. But I wanted to address a, a couple of things. Particularly this idea of it's safe and effective. Right? Um, it's, it's interesting, even when you stop and, and you look at those words. Like, my first response was, what does that even mean? When you say something is safe and effective, like, what does that mean? Like some people would consider it irresponsible just... to use such vague terms to a huge audience on differing levels of education and understanding. Well, and that doesn't, that's not like splitting hairs there. I think in any extremely complicated subject, you have to define the meaning you give words. Well, yeah. and we see this all the time all the in time. our coaching, in oh our my counseling, goodness, all the time. in communication with. In marriage, you're right. like, I say a word and it means something with... to me, and she, it's like, that means something totally different to yeah. me. So in order to have better understanding, even in your marriage, we often have to give definitions of what a word means for us. Right. So if I'm like, hey, I really need you to make me feel safe, like, I have to define what, what that do means Do I go for put you. on, like, I put on my, I go get some weapons, I pull out my knife and guns, and like, right. I'm a protector. And she's like, no, no, no. Like no, I, that actually I makes me feel more safe. Right, she's like, ah, I'm not dead. And I come back all armed, and I got a helmet on and everything. I'm like, I got you, babe. I didn't make you feel And I just safe. bought another dog. And she's like, and I like, wanted no, to feel I safe to emotionally. Listen to me <laughs> yeah. and accept I want, my feelings. Yes, right? I wanted That's to be able to kind of be I'm vulnerable with you and, and you would listen and not judge me. I was like, oh, so, so I can put my gun away? Yeah. So <laughs> it really is a key component to further and ad, to, to adequately understanding an issue is to understand the definition of the words yes. being used. Exactly. So that's one of the first things we always ask is when somebody gives some sort of explanation for something, we are always saying, what does that mean exactly? Like define the words. Yeah. So when you say those words, safe and effective in front of literally in front of hundreds of millions of people and don't really back it up or define what that means exactly to, yeah, as you, as you're presenting as it, you are using them. You have right? to know that you are throwing it out to individual interpretation. And depending on where people are at, some of them are going to interpret it in a way that is dead wrong, right? Um, and assuming off. there's a wrong. Yeah, ass <laughs> yeah, assuming. Well, yeah. Okay, well, here's an example. I know uh, uh, people who heard these words and they automatically assumed that the vaccine would prevent them from getting COVID. 
Okay. And it would prevent depending, the spread of COVID. Depending on how they defined safe and effective right. for them. So somebody said safe and effective, like, boom, I'm getting it because I won't get COVID and I won't get sick and I won't, it'll stop the spread. And this will be over. Like in a couple of months, and no more COVID. That's their definition of what of safe, safe and effective, and effective. Means, Which may or may not be the definition that other people are have or giving, giving it. it. Now... We I'm, don't know. Nobody, right. Nobody knows. knows. Sure. I'm going to safely assume that the people who are speaking know. And I think, again, coming back to, I think, something we can all agree on. I think we can all agree that the, the vaccine is not preventing people from getting it because people who have been vaccinated are still getting it. Right. And it, may it is not. It them somewhat right, from getting it. Right. It might help. It might help. But it's not preventing it totally. And it's not preventing the spread. Uh, which we're seeing in, in countries who are either completely vaccinated or mostly well, vaccinated, it's still spreading like crazy. I don't know if there's any countries that are 100% completely I, t- I talked to somebody the other day and they, the they said there's a couple of small nations that... Really small ones? Yeah. Because I heard the highest vaccinated ratio was Israel, which was like, like I think 80%. 80% yeah, somewhere yeah. around there. And yet it's uh, new it's variants still... are spreading like crazy, like wildfire. So now we're not talking about whether it helps or not. And and that may be the definition of effectiveness, but I know some people believe this will stop it. This will be the end. And they're also believing that like, if you don't do this, you are a murderer. Well, Um, and that's (laughs) an extreme, that's an extreme extreme cases, extreme viewpoints, of course, but we have seen that out there on social media of people. In fact, I even just saw something of some woman who put it in well, I guess she didn't technically put it in her own obituary, but her family members put in the obituary that it was because of people who were not vaccinated that she died right. from COVID. Now, again, it's an extreme. That's an extreme viewpoint, and in the end, that type of extreme vitriol, I guess, is a good word to because I don't think you're. I don't think you're making a statement like that from the goodness of your heart, right? With trying to have empathy and understanding of people who have differing viewpoints from you. Uh, from you, Like, that doesn't help us. That doesn't help us find solutions. That doesn't help us find answers. That doesn't bring us together as a it community, actually... a society, to solve a col- common problem that tears us apart. Which ultimately, if we... We'll just touch on this. Maybe we can do another full episode on it. <laughs> but just touch on the point of any time there's more division and more separation and then you add intense emotions and, and hatred and, and you, you just keep fueling that separation and division, ultimately it leads to some form of civil war. Um, I was in a, an advanced Krav Maga class this morning and they told us about that just happened just over the weekend in Atlanta, um, a group of about 40 individuals went in and, and they're purposely bombarding, like mobbing police officers um, with really annoying things to try to get the police officers to react, mm. to pull out a weapon, to fire a shot. They're, they're, they're just doing everything they can to get them to react. Right. Which... Th- that's like, oh my gosh, that is the beginnings of, uh, of 
civil wars civil war and, and skirmishes, Mar-Mac- yeah, if nothing yeah, else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which then it's a it's a it's a tinderbox just it just explodes. It's crazy. Okay, but I just I just want to hit this thing and then we'll wrap up here. I think we can all agree that to declare something safe, we have to unequivocally rule out death and dis- uh, harm and, and damage. Is that, is that, is that... Well, well, no, I'm going to disagree a little bit okay. because something... I'm, I'm going to disagree with you. Disagree. I, I didn't even give my point yet. You can't. <laughs> I'm going to disagree with you disagreeing. Go ahead. Because I, I would say that we could define something as safe that was, say, mostly safe. Right. Okay. Because sometimes we're going to say something is safe if it's mostly safe. Okay. What now? Why don't? Why not use that? Why not? If I'm going to stand up and I'm going to talk to millions of people and say, "You guys, this is mostly safe," that's very different than saying this is safe. Right. Right. Because if it's mostly safe, <laughs> and what is that from? Uh, Princess Bride. Mostly. Right. <laughs> if it's mostly safe, that leaves a, root, a, a margin of error for some people to say, you know what? I'm not willing to take that risk, even if it's small. Right. And we allow them to do that. Right. So but as of... would be willing to take the risk. Right. Because... Right. So, I mean, and I think that happens a lot of... With almost everything we do in life. Like right. driving on the freeway is mostly safe. But it is also... Mostly Deadly. Right. In fact, we were going to do skydiving, and I did my research. It's actually more dangerous to drive on an average freeway in the United States of America than to go skydiving. And so I thought, wow. Change in perspective. Change in perspective. I'm more likely to die driving to the grocery store than I am to die from going skydiving. So I decided Let's to go, go skydiving. skydiving. Changes because, perspective. Yeah, it changes your perspective <sighs> on it. That you, you were sh- sudden, I was suddenly like, it's not that risky, actually. You shift your whole paradigm. Exactly. And now you make a different decision. Instead right. of skydiving so dangerous I could die, you're like, well, actually, you're high, far more likely to die on in a car accident, which... Isn't this the point of our this thing? We're so terrified of COVID, and it is. It is. I mean, people are dying. I'm not. I'm not discounting that. But three times, over three times, as many people died in 2020 from other preventable causes than from COVID. So if you want to be afraid of something, be afraid of that. And, Ooh, but let me let me come and back I to the safety. I get it though, thing. because at the same time. If someone chose to use the word safe about driving, I don't know that we would argue the nitty-gritty about that. Although, you could. You could say, well, it's safe, but really it's mostly safe. I mean, it depends on how detailed you want to get. Right, right. Which, in a a situation like this, where it's very politicized... And it's very intense. It's very very in front of everyone. You do actually need to get into the nitty-gritty to really get a clear understanding. Let's give some numbers and say... You know, if I'm if I'm if I'm reporting numbers and say, hey, look, this this many people died today, but interestingly, uh, three times as many people died today from these causes. Something worth considering, right? You can't dismiss this. But back to the safety piece, so, um, we've talked to some people and they're like, I haven't heard of any deaths from the vaccine or any negative things. It's not been heard at all. So it's interesting. Um, and as- maybe that is the majority perspective that. That any reports, whatever, of death or injury from the vaccine are simply conspiracy theories. Right. And they're not. And yet, on the CDC website itself, as of, what did it say? September September, 13th. September 13th? Yep. There have been 
report 7,653 reports of death from people who received the COVID-19 vaccine. Okay, now, again, that's not like 400,000 COVID deaths, right? It's a small number, and some people might say, well, that's, you know, that's going to be a natural, that, that's going to be worth it in the end for us to all get the vaccine. And that's a point you could argue. But if no one's made aware of that, right. for one thing, like many people we've heard of or know, they don't even know that any deaths are happening. I think all, that's also not fair. Right. Like that's not just to kind of hide that information while emphasizing the other information. Yep. So in some ways, that's that's the point we want to make is it should at least be talked about. Right. And, and not just death, it's some kind of, I don't know how they, I can't remember the word they used. It was some kind of medical harm. Right. And, and last we read it, it was a good month ago or more, it was over 450,000 cases of some kind of medical harm caused by the vaccine. Yeah. I don't so, remember those exact numbers because yeah. I didn't look it up. But I did look up because the CDC gets that information from the VARS website. Like that's their source. And I went up and looked on the VARS website, and they have data from, like, the 1960s on vaccine deaths. Deaths. And for most of the period of time, I literally, it goes month by month for, since the 1960s. And I looked through all of it, and for most of the time, it was, like, 10 deaths. The highest one was, like, 52. Maybe 52 deaths in one month, right? This is over decades. This is over decades. Decades. Until December 2020, when it jumped up to... Hundreds and then thousands. And so you can look at this information yourself. Okay, that's something at least. That's something that we should at least be aware of if we're going to make a decision like this that it directly impacts our own health and well-being and that of our families. All I'm saying is that information should at least be made available instead of portrayed as a simple conspiracy theory. And, And as though it's not happening. As though it doesn't happen at all. Right. Exactly. Right. And and the, the last little thing, um, th- this one gets me fired up. Um, because, yes, it was uh, approved by the FDA, right? Um, but interestingly... <laughs> a lot of things oh, by the FDA. The, the good people down at the FDA approve all kinds of things. So, wait, where was that? All kinds of garbage chemicals in our food that are known and proven to be linked to cancer and no, wait, obesity. Where, where's that website and for a second? So all we can kinds of reference problems. That. Because that is a, one of the other challenges. And and this this ties into not just what's happening with COVID right now and the vaccine. I mean, this is a viewpoint we've had for a while. Yes. Just in our lives. Well, well literally since, 20 years. Since my dad yeah, got cancer. Exactly. So that's coming on in 21 years in December. One of the things that he discovered and we discovered while we were trying to understand this disease he had that eventually took his life was that not everything FDA approved is safe for your body. In fact, some of the things that are FDA approved are actually known cancer-causing substances. Yep. And they are outlawed and, and banned in like the in EU. other countries or entire continents United like the States. EU. Like they're like they're a little out there because it it's linked directly to cancer, and the FDA puts their stamp of approval right on it. And you know, there's 2,500 chemicals in our food that is being put Additives. in there. Yeah. 
and that preservatives are FDA approved. that are FDA now, approved. Now, one of the things you found that was fascinating, was that about the oils, the saturated, unsaturated oils? That there are actually... Hydrogenated, oh, the hydrogenated oils. oils. So the, the US FDA banned partially hydrogenated oils on January, in January of 2015. But they gave them three years to remove the products from the market. Okay, now wait one second. You're <laughs> telling like, me. Wow, this is killing people. You have three years to get rid of it. That something is giving people cancer, but then tells people the company. Or heart disease or whatever. Whatever, right. yeah. All, all of the things that yep. lead to the leading causes of death. And then says, oh, but you have three years to remove it. <laughs> what? <laughs> Uh, right? This is doing harm to our people. Make sure it's gone within three years. And I get it. That, you know, there's a whole process for everything. Except at what point are we going to get serious? Because they're getting serious now, right? Oh, Seem to be, right? But now, what point right? are we going to get serious about other things? So just, just for kicks why, and giggles why here. Why can't we invoke some sort of emergency authorization for something like for that? For hydrogenated, hydrogenated oils. Hydrogenated oils are causing MSG. disease. Yeah. Let us Done. Emergency it authorization to ban it from the country. Yeah, not coming in. That's that's my line of reasoning. Like I, you know, I get it. And but actually, that my one... thinking says, why why don't we apply that same thinking to other challenges right. and problems? And and now, I'm, I'm in favor of some bans like that because that's not <laughs> that's not forcing Wait. people to work out. It's not it's not forcing you say you can't smoke, but it's like hey, let's get let's get these deadly chemicals out of our food that most of the people have no idea are harming them. That's true it's, because it's you're innocent not, it's people. not like people are addicted to, well, maybe they are to, to MSG, they are. Hydrogenated and oils. oils, yes. Those oils are but deadly. But if you replaced it with something like coconut oil, like most people right. aren't even going to know the difference. If they're right. buying chips, well, let's they're hit, not going to know. Let's hit some of these right now. So, interestingly, you guys, there's a thing, um, I won't even try to pronounce it, but it's BPA. It's a chemical that's it's lined your cans, well, like the, the canned thing, foods. There was a big move for the BPA to be removed from plastic bottles and stuff, right. but it's, it's lining... in canned foods, and so it is. It's been linked to cancer. Um, we've talked about this refined sugar, guys. It just it, even back as early as 1931, they found sugar was providing fuel for tumors, mm. and and inflammation. This stuff just. Can I make a plea, with all my heart and soul here? You're going cut, extreme. Here, cut right? sugar out of your life. How can life? we cut sugar out of our lives? Like, how can we do that? That's just too much. She's she's kind of in jest, but kind of like <laughs> she has a sweet tooth too. Um, no, she I does great. Sugar. Yep. So we replace it. You, so we use um, urethritol, which is sugar alcohol, and our favorite is monk fruit extract. And yes, it is way more expensive than sugar, but not in the long run. Because sugar is costing you an enormous amount of, it's affecting your brain. And, and your who health. knows, one day research might come out and find those things are actually not good for us either. But at this point, <laughs> well, the research. I guess is... that's true. We we go along with as things progress and we find things out. Mm -hmm. So alcohol, um, alcohol consumption lowers your risk. Wait, see, um, alcohol abuse is a leading cause of cancer behind tobacco. So tobacco use is is the leading cause, and alcohol abuse is what they're calling it is the next one. French fries and potato trip chips. What? Yep. French fries and potato chips? What are it's you talking about? I don't even know how to pronounce this. Acrylamide is a chemical used um, in those industrial processes, right? It's also found in cigarette smoke. Whoa. It can form starchy foods like potatoes. 
uh, when they're cooked at high temperatures, right? More research is needed here, but the American Cancer Society supports continued evaluation of this um, in French fries and potato chips. Okay, so we're geeking out a little bit here. Let, let, let's, let's just do it fast. Point, Processed meats. Again, well, you all just these like things. To geek out. I love to geek out and give you tools because you're like, and people ask me all the time. My clients ask me, everyone talks to me, like, okay, what, what can I eat? What should I eat? And at least we can give them a baseline of like, don't do this. There's, there's direct links here of at least correlation, if not causation, to like cancer and health problems. Like you can do something about this and take more control back in your life and, and boost your own immune system so, and take your own safety back into your own hands. So, so maybe what the message is here really is that we, we have this big global scene of what's happening on a world scale or at least a national scale of these top discussion topics of vaccine, no vaccine, mandates, no mandates, like all of this stuff is going on. But ultimately we're saying... It comes back to you. Individual responsibility. You have individual responsibility to take more control of your life. Right. No matter, no matter what else happens. Yep. And ultimately, and this is my belief, I think this is your belief, that the only way to it solve... It is now that you say yeah, it will be. Now that I say this is your... <laughs> yes, dear. taking it on. Um, in order to solve any of these problems, the polarization... The division, the politicis—why can I not say that word? Politicization <laughs> of issues. Um, all of that is solved when we, as individuals, within the nation, within the world, accept personal responsibility for our own choices, our own actions, our own uh, <laughs> decisions on what we put in our mouth. For one thing, as an example, right? Until we take our own responsibility for that nothing else is really going to change or make that big of a difference and when we decide to not um view others as bad or wrong simply because they have a different viewpoint than us well that's where i was going to go what because you're saying the solution is individual responsibility well, what about those who won't what about those who won't take individual responsibility right should we then force them or, or, and I think you're going there like, well, those who think differently than us, yeah. think, act differently than us, they, they hold on to those issues. What, is there a point where you step in? And, and I, for the most part, I, no. I think based, based on our own life experience, our own research, our own um, background, no, you can't force people to do it. And so ultimately... You have to take individual responsibility, and that responsibility includes allowing, having grace yeah. and allowing others... To, sh- to have the viewpoints they do. And to make bad decisions and, if, and suffer yeah, the consequences. True. And if there's going to be a way to change that, it comes from us being able to gain and develop diplomacy. Influence, um, persuasion, influence, inspiration. Persuasion, inspiration, all of those things. Yeah. That That is what... Because it's not that you shouldn't try to change someone's viewpoint if it clearly seems wrong or harmful, or detrimental to society as a whole, like, we should try to influence others to gain a different viewpoint. But that should be done, first of all, through influence, through um, tact and articulation of topics and ideas and understanding and empathy and respect, viewing someone else who has a different opinion as valuable 
a human being as we view ourselves, right? Right. That's the only way I see it changing. Right. And preventing, if, if we don't change it, um, it could lead to a big disaster. Well, it, yeah. And so we want to prevent it. If this we, is preventing the problem by, by having that grace and tolerance, um, allowing other people to make their decisions, and keeping this big perspective. And no. not eating microwave popcorn. <laughs> I gotta get. I gotta share the list, babe. I can't. Oh my gosh. So I gotta do it real fast. I would have thought that so would be a good place. To I end, know it was a just... beautiful place to end, but my mind, I'm like, I have to share. I have to share. I have to share. You have so to share about microwave pro- popcorn. Processed meats, like lunch meats, bad. Uh, mass-produced bread has <laughs> potassium bromate linked to cancer. It's not even it, like a warning label in California, but it is banned in the EU, UK, Canada, and Brazil. Artificial colors, all this food coloring stuff. Microwave popcorn has a P-F-O-A that lines the packaging and comes off in there, linked to cancer. Hydrogenated oils, charred meats, farmed salmon, soda, or pop. Right? A Swedish study found that if you drink one 11-ounce soda a day, you were 40% more likely to develop prostate cancer. Holy guacamole. Red meats, pasta. I was saying GMOs. Okay, that's it. I had to. I had to do you it. You just had to add. That I thing. just had to add it. That's because my why? nerdiness. Why? But because I'm a why? nerd. So come back now. We'll finish with the principle. Well, but you want like I want you to explain the motivation of why you want to add that. You feel like something I, like this is at least. It's, a, it's in our power. Take. Yes. Like you're sitting there going, okay, what what can I do today to not get to COVID do this? and die? And you're like, okay, done. No, no more soda. No more uh, microwave popcorn. No more processed meats. <laughs> yeah, that's meats. easy. You can start there. And I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do everything I can find out to take care of my immune system so that I and my family are safe and healthy from safer whatever and healthier. comes. Yeah, safer and healthier. And we lean into it and, and then share this. Like Wait, I'm sharing because I want I want to inspire people. I want to motivate people. I want to give them tools and strategy. So many, so many people make their life so hard because they're they're using the wrong tools. Or they got the wrong framework. They got the wrong framework. They got the right tool, but no leverage behind it. Or you know, you, you could be trying to pound in a nail with your screwdriver, or you could be use a hammer, or somebody could show up with a really awesome nail gun and be like, ba ba ba, like what? Let's go. And I want to give people tool and power like that so we can we can live exceptional lives. And it starts with small choices, yep. small decisions. Exactly. Exactly. And then spreads to our kids, our friends, family, and, and the community. Any circle of influence. And it has to. That's the only place it can start. Or or we head to an absolute train wreck. So this is it's exciting. Isn't that exciting? Today. I hope you guys are just giddy. Maybe you're even dancing right now. Today, you can decide never to drink soda again. Today's the day when you throw away your microwave popcorn and never have it again. That's exciting. And people are going to be like, how did this podcast about vaccines lead to cutting out microwave popcorn? Like, where does that Oh, Because it all fits in the big, big perspective. It really is. All right, this is good. Thanks. If you listen to the end, holy cow, we love you. When we see you in person, you're getting a big hug from us because that was a long haul and yes. allowing us to and geek out. And hopefully it made sense in a way. Yeah, just zooming out and 
altering our perspectives. And you can use that strategy with everything. Everything in, in life. Anything. Yeah. Love it. Love you guys. Reach upward. <laughs>